George Romero had lived. <laughs> you know, he would land of the dead, whatever. Could have people trying to get on an airplane, and there's zombies that's next to you, biting you. You're still mm-hmm. just trying to get home. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of the one of the early signs when we worked together, one of the early signs, Will, that uh, that I knew you had a mind for this kind of podcast was you came up with the idea of a zombie-filled cruise ship. Yeah, Dead in the Water. Dead in the Water. And I think someone has used that name since. Probably. I'm pretty sure they have. Oh, you should do the intro now. Yeah, let's do the intro now. Hey, listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where we three friends get together virtually until safe to do otherwise and uh, talk about a horror movie. And we'll also talk about recently watched. Now, I'm going to say it correctly this time. We're going to spoil the featured attraction. But we're going to try not to spoil the recently watched. Uh, no huge promises. And we are not professional critics. But we are professional coloring bookmakers. You can get our coloring book. <laughs> See that smooth transition. You can get our plan, well plan 9 from Outer Space coloring book. It's crisp it's lovely it's got lots of pages it's got activities as well as coloring pages you can go to plan9coloringbook.com and order yours today that's plan the number nine coloringbook.com we thank the moon rays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show uh, you can find their music on apple music or you can uh, go to amazon and buy it there digitally and say hello to them on facebook where they are the moon dash rays that is housekeeping. We are your hosts. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Good evening. And guys, it's been a week since we did this. Lots has happened. So who wants to start recently watched? <laughs> well, uh, I'll go because I don't have very much. Uh, we're continuing Star Trek as always. It'll never end. Never, ever, ever going to end. The endless trip. Uh, eventually, it'll be Voyager, and then Enterprise. Ooh. I'm not looking forward to that lead-in song. That's all I remember of that show, and Scott Bakula. Um, anyway, um, uh, I only watched three movies this week, so... Uh, they were uh, trying to pick something out um, for this week's show. Uh, they were <laughs> all terrible. I'll just say right off the bat, I told you both mistakenly that this blood beat was the uh, best of the lot. I think it was just the most recent watched of the lot, and that I watched <laughs> it most recently. Uh <laughs> 
I watch Tanny and the T-Rex, also known as Tammy and the T-Rex, although the title is actually Tanny on the credits. T-A-N-N-Y? T-A-N-N-Y. Yes, in both the opening credits and the end. Evidently, the title was originally Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex, which I don't know why they didn't keep that title. But they also cut it all, all the gore out, evidently, to make it more of a kid's film. It's yep. still horribly unsuccessful. Horrible, horrible film. Try to sit through this. It is just, it is awesome. And it's fury when it just comes at you immediately. First thing, you have Denise Richards dancing around uh, in a gymnasium like a high school cheerleader, I guess she is. And then a very young Paul Walker who looks like he's around mm, eight to ten months old. I mean, he's <laughs> literal fetus in this thing. He's so young. He looks way younger than any of the other kids. It's it's kind of weird. Like he's tall enough, but he looks like he's two or three grades lower. Uh, you know, like he's a seventh grader and they're in high school. You're like, what's the seventh grader doing here? Anyway, he is Denise Richards' boyfriend. Um, he's killed by her ex-boyfriend, who seems insanely, even by 90s movie standards, uh, insanely possessive. Just, just you, you would hope the man would be locked up. I thought they you were burst gonna... into his... His parents are ha- into her parents' house at some point to get him, to get Paul Walker. It's crazy. They take him to a animal preserve, like a wild animal preserve, with lions and cheetahs and tigers and bears, no oh my, and they kill him. An evil scientist takes his body and puts his brain into an animatronic T-Rex. Oh. The story behind this movie is they had an animatronic T-Rex for two weeks. So they thought, let's make a movie. I don't understand why would you go with this. Why would you go right off the bat that the T-Rex was fake? I mean, yeah, it doesn't look good. But bad lighting's preferable to just a, a shitty storyline. I mean... You have a cast, okay, evil scientist uncle opens a portal, and a dinosaur gets out at high school, and it's up to Paul Walker and Denise Richards to stop it, and their friend, I don't remember his name, he was the most lively person in the cast. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, he's good. (laughs) Yeah, he was good. I mean, there was some really, really bad homophobia in this from the from the deputies and you kind of got the feeling from the writers themselves um but he he did well um he was more entertaining than most of it but yeah you just have a dinosaur attack a high school party that's basically what the movie was why spend all your time you know dancing around with this convoluted plot but it's not supposed to be a real dinosaur uh, so they don't have to try to cover up the fact that it looks animatronic because it is. And earlier when you were, when you were saying something about, uh, even by those standards, 
I was going to say it was remarkably homophobic, uh, you know, yeah. or, or racist, but, but you did say there were some homophobic characters, but oh, yeah. was it made, yeah. was it, and, and was it made in 94? 93. Okay. Released in 94. So it's not like yeah. 10 years earlier, it would have been really bad. Ooh, yeah. If it was in the 80s, it would have been even worse. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty bad. Why is this already uh, a midnight movie? It was like back in high school <laughs> for me, because it was right when I was in high school. Huh. So all the fashions were just like being back then. What were you going to say? Oh, why was this immediately a midnight movie? Like, because it was playing at the Esquire before the pandemic hit. Oh, it's it it's definitely it's got enough hilarity in it that uh, it'd be fun to watch with the crowd because okay. it's it's stupid, <clears throat> it's ridiculous. There, like any of these movies, there's some boring parts. Um, there's a lot of nonsense. Uh, Denise Richards does a strip tease for Brain and a Pan at the end. Um, <clears throat> she looks mildly embarrassed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, rolling on, <clears throat> the next movie in my quest I watched, <clears throat> and this is all because I wanted to watch um, Night Beast, a Dom Duller film. Because I've seen, um, oh, Galaxy Invader, Galactic Invader, something like that. And his other one, Alien Agenda. I can't remember the names. They're, they're good movies. They're a man in a rubber suit runs around in the dark uh, while people shoot guns at it. And you don't ever know what the hell's going on. Um <clears throat> And the Night Beast looks really bad. So I was looking for that, but they wanted like $5, and I won't pay for a Dom Dollar film. They made it for uh, 14000 I just pulled up the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Are they still trying to get that back? From Baltimore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's how I remembered, oh, well, Tammy and the T-Rex is on. Uh, which led to our, my next film was Scream Bloody Murder, which a hooked hand killer goes on a road trip and eventually kidnaps a prostitute and holds her in a mansion. Um, there, There's a theme. There in, ends up being a theme with these three movies I've watched over the last couple of days. Uh, the theme being, they had that, let's make a movie. The first being the big animatronic T-Rex. You know, we've got that. Let's make a movie. Uh, the T-Rex had a big scratch on the eye, but they kept showing that eye. Like, <laughs> what happened to the other eye? I mean, it was bad. You could see it. It was, oof. Uh, the, the second movie, Scream Bloody Murder, had a mansion and a fancy Rolls Royce. Um... And uh, anyway, this kid, it's, the movie starts off with a kid on a tractor running over his dad, and then he hops off the tractor and promptly gets his hand run over. Um, cut to the future, he's uh, got a hook for a hand, and he's being released from the hospital, 
we've seen this story before. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he goes home to find his mom is getting married that day or just got married that day. And although stepdad seems all right, he flips out because they're making out in the, <laughs> in the field. I don't know why they even lampshade it in the film. They say something like, the wife says something like, shouldn't we be doing this in the bedroom? And he goes, hell, woman, this is our farm. We can do whatever we want. Because <laughs> they're yeah, out like, good for in their underwear <laughs> in the field. It, I, I don't know. They didn't have access to a house to film in. Um, anyway, Junior flips out and kills Dad with a hatchet. Uh, and then he kills mom, and then he proceeds to drive cross country, killing till he gets to L.A. Well, I'm guessing Los Angeles. Uh, they don't really say. Um, I imagine the prostitute he meets lives on Venice Beach. That's what it looked like. Um, but he meets this nice painter prostitute who he decides he loves. And reminds him of mom. And so he kills somebody who owns a big mansion and a big car. And uh, he kills an old lady in a hilarious scene. Because she comes out with like a cane and a golf club. And just lets him have it. And he has a hook for a hand. Which you would think in a horror movie. That's going to be the major weapon. That's going to be his thing he kills people with. Duh, it writes itself. No, if anything, it disadvantages poor Matthew. He's got one hand. He clearly is not, uh, I, I believe he has the hook on his right hand, so it leaves his left hand open. He's not left-hand dominant, it appears. Um, I may be reversing those. Um, but uh, he swings a hatchet, or an axe to kill his stepdad which is just awkward with one hand. Uh, he kills a motorist with a rock. He could also have... He throws badly with his remaining hand. He's just at a disadvantage, and he never kills anyone until the very end with his hook. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, he meets Vera, decides that she reminds him of Mom, and wants to sweep her off her feet. So he... Kills an old lady and her housekeeper to get this house and mansion and kidnaps Vera. Well, he invites her over and then he just never lets her leave. He ties her up, doesn't let her leave. Um, uh, she finally kind of uh, tricks him, not tricks him, I guess she, 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 she shames him because she gets naked in front of him to get a bath. She basically begs him for a bath. And then he's all freaked out because he's the opposite of a sex pervert you'd have in real life. Like, movie freaks are always like, oh, no, I, a naked woman. Um, and he's kind of Norman Batesy. I guess the mom thing, too. Um, um, anyway, it's as boring, me telling you about it is as boring as the film. Um, basically, poor Vera runs away, tries to get away. He somehow has the magical ability to teleport to the front door. They're upstairs. I'll set the scene. They're upstairs in the bedroom. She's in a towel. 
Uh, he's haranguing her like he does. And I don't know if she knocks him over the head or something. And she runs down the stairs, swings open the front door, which she had difficulty opening. And he's there. He's magically there at the front door, even though you just saw him knocked out in the bedroom. And he slashes at her with his hook, finally killing someone with his hook. Um, this makes him lose his mind completely, and the ghost of all the people who he's killed in the movie chase him to a church and kind of pod him to death. The end. Oh, all right. And then you find out the prostitute was played by the same one who, who played his who played his mom. Oh. Although she did a really good job, I didn't recognize her in both roles. Oh, weird. So it was just terrible on every level. Pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Uh, real low-budget gore. Uh, made 1971. Uh, not released till 73, just like last week's movie. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then re-released as Matthew uh, in 76 or something. I don't think it did well at all, any time. I can't imagine. Um, kind of interesting maybe in a proto slasher look but yeah pretty low budget garbage uh, finally bringing me the last movie um, Bloodbeat which is tonight's movie wow. which had well we'll save that but man you, you really put yourself through the ringer on this one <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to watch more. I think it's... I was wondering why. I think it's kind of satisfying to watch bad movies because you know it's going to be bad. Yeah. You don't have any expectation. You're like, yeah, this is going to be garbage. But, but no I already feel terrible. Like <laughs> <laughs> 99% of the time, most of the things I watch, I'm not going to be entertained by because I just don't feel well. So I'm just going to watch garbage anyway and... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be entertained by the garbage. Yeah, it's, but there's no hope for a palate cleanser, is there? Oh, not really. Star Trek. Yep. It's consistent anyway. So, Jolien, what about you? Uh, I watched a variety of qualities <laughs> of movie. Uh, I'll, I'll go through them in order of watching them. <clears throat> watched uh, Carnet de Bal from 1937. This is directed by Julien de Vivier. Um, this one's about this woman named uh, Christina, played by Marie Bell. And she's, uh, her husband has suddenly died. And uh, she's, uh, she's got tons of money. She lives in this beautiful uh, villa on this lake, looks like Geneva or something. Um, so she's, she's feeling really lost, and uh, she's still young, um, and she finds, uh, when she's putting away her uh, husband's stuff, um, she finds her old uh, dance card. And uh, it's got names on it of uh, men who've danced with her, uh, going back 20 years. And uh, so she decides to uh, uh, get back in touch, uh, see how they're doing. Hmm. And... Uh, uh, the short answer is terribly. Um, you know, they've they've fallen into madness and suicide and crime and uh, uh, yeah, none of them are doing well. Um, 
and uh, largely because of her, they're, they're like heartbroken or, you know, they're just... Um, so, uh, yeah, it's not a happy story for her. <laughs> um, but this is like a really gorgeous movie. It's kind of, it kind of works like an anthology because she goes to each fellow she tracks down. It's filmed in a different way. Um, and uh, and you, you get these different kind of short stories going on with uh, what happened to them and how they react with seeing her again. Um, so some of it's like really dark and some of it's comical, some of it's both. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Um, got Fernandel in it, uh, Louis Javert. Um, uh, it's got some really surprising. Uh, in in the, one of the crime stories, she goes into this nightclub. This gangster's running, and uh, he has this floor show, and they're uh, they're all topless. That was quite surprising for a 1937 film. Yeah. Um, all right. After that, we watched uh, Bora, subsequent movie film. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Have you seen that one? I did. Um, I've not. Go, go ahead. Say, say what you felt about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. All right. This one's directed by Jason Wallner, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, Maria Bakalova is in it. She's really good. Um, I found myself saying, oh, my God, more than laughing. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's really horrendous stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we quite like that one. Uh, it's got three great women in it. It give it a bit of heart. Um, there's like a, so there's Maria Bakalova as his daughter, and then uh, uh, there's a couple of women he meets in America. Um, uh, they're really they're really really good people. But anyway, um, and then of course it's got the infamous ending we really wanted to see. Uh, it's just so so uh, horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So you watched this one too? I did. And uh, I got to say that um, a lot of the jokes, I kind of felt like they were a, a little childish, a lot of them. Uh, but yeah, I think the shocking stuff was more the point than the what was supposed to be funny. Because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, here's a guy pretending to be a dorky Eastern European guy who doesn't understand culture or language outside of his little village. Okay, fine. You know, it's the fish out of water premise. But uh, but yeah, some of the reactions he would get from real people, I think, was what was good and interesting about the movie. Or shocking or funny. Yeah, I think it was good satire. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the, big, the big ending with Rudy Giuliani. Oh, man, that dude. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's having a good run lately. Oh, yeah, he's having, a, he's having quite a month. Yeah. <laughs> um all right watched uh, a flying saucer one for you oh no really oh. Have, have you seen hangar 18 uh, oh yeah pretty sure pretty sure let me see i'm gonna check this real yeah, quick this is uh this stars darren mcgavin as a like a mission control guy and uh, robert vaughan is this uh secretary of state i think he is trying to hush it up Mm. which of course mm-hmm. means sending out men in black to uh, kill off the astronauts who know what the truth is. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so is hangar 18 is this like, uh, in, in this case it's in Texas. Um, but it's, uh, it's the place where they're keeping a flying saucer. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
So the, the politicians are trying to shut, hush it up and they'll, they'll use lethal force to do so. Um, but uh, I found it kind of, it, it is pretty dull movie. Yeah. Um, you've got this like uh, premise of something as fantastical as uh, you know, first contact and bringing a flying saucer into Earth and scientists examining it. But it's just not got the brains to make that interesting. It just goes directly from there to just car chases. Yeah. Uh, and it just feels like a TV movie. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was a TV movie. Was it? I believe so. Hmm. Yeah, it feels really, really like I'm not surprised. Thought. Yeah, and it felt like a, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not keen on that one. <laughs> All right, I'll put it on the uh, to-don't list. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's interesting because it's like the movie about Hangar 18, which is like one of the great touchstones of uh, ufologists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a great movie called uh, Orlando from 1992. I was, uh, this is like the second time I've seen it. Uh, it's directed by Sally Potter. Um, and it stars Tilda Swinton. So Orlando is this, uh, uh, starts out uh, as a man in... Um, in 1600 I think but uh, at some point uh, the uh, uh, the Queen uh, Elizabeth uh, says you should never change because uh, you know you're, you're so beautiful and young and uh, he, he just doesn't but uh, after a while he's kind of tired of um, what he's expected to do as a man and, and uh, he he uh, he becomes a woman and uh, um, every so often he go into a coma and he'll uh, wake up again and decades have gone by wow. and he, uh, he or she is not aged at all. So, uh, and, and this character is played by Tilda Swinton and, and she just like inhabits every, you know, gender and role that she has to. <clears throat> Uh, it's really, really well done. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. Um, then we watched uh, another anthology called uh, Mile High Horror from 2013. Um, uh, so you know a uh, Mile High Horror Film Festival? Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, this, this is an anthology created by uh, Tim Schultz, who organises it. And uh, he, he just got 10 films from all over the country of, uh, uh, they're just like a very short films. Um, and the, the whole thing is like uh, about 70 minutes long. Um, so there's a whole variety of things. Two of the stories are in stop motion. Um, some of them are comical, some of them are like pretty dark. Um, uh, I, th I thought they did uh, good jobs for, you know, you. You don't have any money to work with, and you've got like five to ten minutes to do your story. And uh, I, I thought some of them pretty good. Um, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> watch the Sentinel again because I hadn't seen it in ages, and I thought, well, um, Chris Christina Rains was good in uh, Hex. Uh, I watch another one of her movies, and uh, you know, knowing that she hated being in this movie, and she. Um, you know, she was, everyone was badly treated by Michael Winner. Um, but uh, I didn't remember much of it, so I watched it again. 
and uh, this this also feels a lot like a TV movie. There's a lot of uh, bright lighting and uh, uh, kind of bland storytelling. Um, yeah. And it's got like one of the sickest endings to a movie ever. And it's, it's just awful. <laughs> but it's got... Um, uh, like I'll, I'll read you the cast members, okay? Uh, Christina Raines, Jose Ferrer, Chris Sarandon, Martin Balsam, Ava Gardner, Arthur Kennedy, John Carradine, Burgess Meredith, Eli Wallach, Christopher Walken, Jerry Orbach, uh, Nana Visitor from Star Trek, yeah. uh, Tom Berenger, Jeff Goldblum, and uh, Richard Dreyfuss is in there too. How, how could you it's go wrong? Like, wow. It's people like turning up in like the tiniest roles. Like, <clears throat> oh, I know who that is. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's a pretty amazing cast list. Um, yeah. And it's a beautiful house up in uh, Brooklyn Heights. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's not a good movie, and it, it's mm. got that ending. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it kind of wastes a whole bunch of good good people. So, uh, yeah, I think that's everything I watched, apart from uh, carrying on with watching uh, Ultraman Ace. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Um, well, for me, uh, I decided that uh, American Horror Story Cult was uh, getting a little harder to watch. Uh, some of the stuff the characters are getting up to and some of the political stuff. And I just kind of felt like I'm going to take a break from it and watch the one that we saw an episode with you, Jolien, at your house in the way back. Um, I don't know. It was probably a year ago, but, uh, American Horror Story 1984. So yes. I started watching that and I'm, uh, I think I just got into episode four and, uh, got a little tired and decided to just start that one over maybe tonight. But, uh, I like it so far. The guy they got playing Richard Ramirez, the, uh, the night stalker looks like him. I mean, he's a nicer looking version of him, but but he kind of really looks like the Night Stalker. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, I like the fact that they do hang on to enough of the, uh, the 80s fashions, tropes, vehicles, clothing, you know, all the stuff that you would uh, expect to see in the 80s without it being kind of cleaned up for modern audiences. It just kind of looks as crappy as it would have back then in 84. You know, some, some stuff was cool, but there's a lot of stuff that was just crappy and there it is. Uh, so I'm liking it. This is, um, this is good. So, uh, I watched a couple more episodes of, uh, uh, Ash versus the evil dead. I'm liking that. I can't not notice that it's filmed in New Zealand, knowing that it's filmed in New Zealand because sometimes there's supposed to be some place where they're clearly not because you <laughs> Cause you know, it's New Zealand and you look and you see something like the, the, the foliage in the background or whatever, but it's, it's still, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, for as much as the audience would forgive any bad looking special effects, most of them are pretty good looking. So I'm liking that. Um, I feel like there was one other thing and I'll probably remember it with 10 minutes left in the show. I feel like there was a movie I watched, but it was probably a mainstream thing. So, uh, yeah, other than, uh, 
a couple episodes of uh, UFO Hunters. Uh, that's just kind of a, it's a, it's a, it, you know, a, a reality docu-series, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, it, they're always just going and trying to figure out, did this thing really happen to these people? Did they really see what they thought they saw? And sometimes it seems like maybe they didn't, but, but there's still stuff that's not explained. So, uh, the military just needs to quit telling us it's flares when it's not flares. Flares behave in a very specific way. They don't stay locked in a triangle and hover over a city. They just don't. Sure they do. When affected by swamp gas. Yeah, maybe the swamp gas. Through the prism of Venus. Yes, planet Venus. Anyway, so that's about it. I feel like there's a movie in there somewhere, but... uh, but, was it boring? Uh, it, no, that was a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's it for me. Uh, so, guys, we all watched Blood Bloodbeat. Bloodbeat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I make you watch this. But it could have been Panny and the T-Rex, so. Well. I picked this one because, <laughs> well, it was the most recent of the three I watched. Yeah. So, did you want to give a summary? Uh, Jolian, do you want to give a summary? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Blood Feet is a 1982 film made in Wisconsin uh, by a group of people who had access to a camera and a samurai uh, armor costume. Armor. Um... Yeah, and so your story is a couple of college kids and the boy's girlfriend uh, venture to the family farm in somewhere in Wisconsin. I forget. I saw it in the in the credits. But I've forgotten. Like Maple, Wisconsin, or something. Um, lovely town, I'm sure. Um, Anyway, uh, uh, parents aren't married. Mom is kind of a hippie painter type, and dad is a typical Wisconsin kind of farmer-hunter type. Um, The kids show up. Daughter promptly tells, although I don't hear her say it, but the brother makes reference to it, that she tells mom that she's dropped out of school. Um, the girlfriend feels weird about the mom, and the mom feels weird about the girlfriend. Um, and, um, at some point the girlfriend starts having visions of something, and something starts killing the neighbors. Um, turns out it's a guy in a samurai outfit who's been colored, the film stock's been colored around him, and stuff happens, and then the movie's over. Yeah. So is he... And you stay awake for the whole thing, and you don't know why, and you go, yeah, good enough, I'm not watching any more of these. Yeah, so what, uh, was he supposed to, was this... I'll, make, I'll tell the guys it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we we blithely started watching the movie like it was going to be okay. 
Does the samurai exist on the mortal plane or is he supernatural? Yes. Uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> he, he checks all the boxes. Um, now, Jolien, you're very familiar with things from Japan and the culture of Japan. Uh, what is the what is the samurai suit designed to look like, or is it purely functional? Because it looks kind of like a crazy crustacean or something. Uh, it's got elements of animals in there and, and flowers and things. Okay. Um, you know, things that are associated with... Uh, uh, having roots and or strength or speed or whatever. Um, so this one's got a pair of uh, antlers. Um, I think this uh, this suit, uh, you can see the crest on it. Uh, first, I thought it was uh, Oda Nobunaga, uh, who uh, he was his uh, daimyo in uh, Japan during the warring period. And uh, he wanted to unite Japan. So he kicked off his uh, big civil war um, against the shogun. Um, but it, he was eventually betrayed and had to commit suicide. And then uh, his cause was taken up by uh, uh, Toyotomi Hideyoshi. Um, but uh, I think the crest is actually uh, one of Nobunaga's, uh, uh, you know, one of the people serving him. Uh, which was uh, the Ikeda family, um, the Setsu Ikeda branch of the Ikeda family. And the uh, sort of the flower you see on the crest is this, uh, it's called the Hanabishi, which is the diamond flower. You see that in a lot of family crests. Okay. Okay. Um, so he, uh, the uh, Ikeda family served under Oda Nobunaga, and then uh, eventually the civil war was won by uh, uh, Tokugawa Ieyasu. So, like the the Edo period, that like two hundred years of uh, uh, after the Civil War, you know, between unifying Japan and the Europeans opening up Japan, that's all the mm. Tokugawa reign. Okay. Where they they moved the the capital to Edo, so it's called the Edo period. Um, so I think that's what the crest is from. Um, he's uh, the armor is. Uh, They've got about two thirds of the armor, so they don't have the proper leggings and they don't have the proper footwear. Okay, uh, yeah. looks like he's wearing flip flops. Um, but, yeah, uh, with socks. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, they've got they got the top two thirds. Hmm. <clears throat> so so if you were to go into a martial arts store, could you buy most of this stuff? You fe- you feel is this probably common enough in? Uh, or at least in the world of 1983? Uh, you can buy replicas of armor. Well, yeah. Um, uh, I swords, wondered if... Oh, go ahead. Uh, swords like that you can get uh, because uh, uh, swords of this basic shape, the katana shape, were issued to officers in World War Two, And they were often uh, picked up as souvenirs um, by the Americans. So they're fairly common, but uh, they're not like the highest quality. So the ones that the the great lords would be using, like, uh, would be super expensive. You know, that they wouldn't be on a general market. Right. Yeah, I wondered if this suit and sword weren't war trophies that somebody's grandfather had. Yeah. Yeah, that would be one possibility. Because it was <coughs> Wisconsin. 
Um, not a lot of samurai in Wisconsin. <laughs> like the, the director imported some clothing just so they could get the colors. Oh, really? All the, all the way from France. Interesting. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Priority. Uh, mm-hmm. I have to tell you guys a, a quick uh, war, uh, war souvenir story, if I've never told you this one before. My dad's uh, Aunt Irma uh, had uh, really disliked the fact that her husband came back from World War II with this <laughs> giant nazi banner that he had captured he's, he's just like yeah here's a really here's a really neat souvenir from the war we really showed those guys and here's this massive banner big field of red so dad said that one halloween aunt irma cut it up and made devil costumes for the two boys <laughs> oh. now that is appropriate use of a giant nazi banner yeah so yeah, interesting things that could be made from <laughs> war trophies. <laughs> so um, so they didn't have all the armor. They had flip flops with socks. Um, we're not sure what plane this guy exists on, but he appears to be supernatural. What would this story have worked without it being a samurai? Do we ever get a clue as to why a samurai? I think they picked the samurai because of the antlers. I think they tried to tie that to the deer that killed at the beginning. That was my thought, because they they have this poor deer carcass tied to a, a tree, and the guy has gutted it, and they really linger on it. And then poor Sarah is, like, traumatized when they go hunting, and she's freaked out the whole time. And it seems to be tied to her somehow. Um, again, these things are not clear in the movie. Well, well uh, when she's uh, sexually aroused, the samurai yeah. kills people. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, and I took it as being oh, it's some sort of deer spirit. Mm. Um, I don't know. Oh, at the very end, the mom. And the samurai have some little discussion, like, do you remember me or something? And then mom's face changes. And, and, and you get footage of World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> well, okay, I don't know what's going on now. Huh. Yeah, I think. And know, then the kids appear to have magical powers, too. Yeah, they do. Briefly. Everyone's psychic in Wisconsin, apparently. Yeah, they are. And it's drunk. Something to do with cheese. <laughs> yeah. Now, guys, I, I gotta say, I think that you're you're both thinking, uh, you're thinking more about it and putting more into it than the writers did. Well, he was high for most of the writing and filming by his oh. own by his own admission. He, it was the eighties. Did he say what he was high on? Nah. Okay, because that could make a difference for sure. I mean, was he high on shrooms uh, or just some weed or was he snorting Coke until four in the morning? I mean, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of different ways that could go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, do you think the, um, do you think different drugs would have led to a better movie? Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's totally possible. Um, I kind of, yeah, I kind of think the, um, 
the sexual aspect of it was, uh, pardon the expression, shoehorned in there because I think it's like no. these these act, these actors agreed that they would get nude and they would simulate sex or actually have sex. They're not going to pass on that. They're like, cool, cool, cool. Let's go ahead and do that. Um, so we got samurai, check. Uh, uh, naked, sexy people, uh, check. Oh, yeah, bloody deer carcass? Yeah, okay, check. Uh, they, they had all the all the boxes checked. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's just... Screenwriting 101. Yeah, weird uh, <laughs> Yeah, weird animation over, over the film. Now, one thing I, I saw about this was that it was... Uh, was it this one or the other one we were looking at that it was filmed in a, um, in the uh, television aspect ratio, wide, uh, full screen instead of widescreen. Yes. Which, yeah. Um, doesn't the, make uh, sense. Dir- the director of photography thought it was being made for TV. Oh. Oh, okay. He's like, clearly <laughs> this thing With is all not- the nudity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so all the uh, orgasmic uh, and arousal sort of stuff uh, activates the samurai, clearly. And uh, he glows, of course. And uh, then there's some dead deer. There you go. Mom is some Uh sort of powerful psychic. Yeah. Yeah. It's all pretty clear in the movie, I thought. Uh, now, another another thing people in Wisconsin have in common is, uh, apart from being psychic, is uh, waterbeds. Oh, there was a oh, waterbed. Yeah. Oh my God, there was. <laughs> that, that was uh, that's very period accurate. Um, yeah. Now another thing was uh, when that was a great scene with the dog. There, he wanted the dog to get in bed, and then why did he want orange juice and tea before bed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Chucky the dog. Chucky, yes. <laughs> yeah, every relationship in this movie is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the guys are horrible to the women. That was the 80s for sure. Yeah. Like, like that was he's, Wisconsin. He, he, yeah, he's, he's bullying his wife and wanting his fruit juice before bed and kicks her out of bed so he can get his dog on. Yeah. And then you've got, you got Ted, who's like really awful. He's, he's like the boyfriend. Yeah. He's like, uh, he's trying to get her to have sex at the start and she doesn't want to and she has to, you know, she has to wrestle him away uh, to make him stop. But he stays mad at her into the following day. Um, he's got really poor handling of firearms. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. There were some scary scenes there when they were walking around with guns because, yeah, nobody seemed to be really aware of what they were pointing at no he would, he would just like uh point it at someone's head just casually and you know accidentally and <laughs> uh and he hands her his rifle she's never hunted before he says like go and hold this and yeah. that's all the instruction he gives her <sighs> yeah i thought he was awful i thought he was going to be killed off but it but no he becomes oh, yeah, a hero. I, I figured he would be killed off too yeah because of the same things and and no uh, strangely, the family, the people who are pretty per- terrible <clears throat> in the family don't get killed till the end, I guess. I'm not really sure what happened to this dad. Yeah, he the went step- out to the, the truck and then something. The stepdad gets uh, knocked unconscious by baking goods. Yeah. Oh, that's right. 
Yeah, when the house goes crazy, uh, they showed the same stuff over and over, like, you know, six or eight times. And then the phone caught on fire. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> it was also fun to see all those old products. Oh, yeah, the old packaging. And the old design. You're like, ooh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, the, uh, the canister that said flower on it, uh, that was like that goofy old, like, you know, 1800s looking font and all that crap. Mm-hmm. We had that set. Oh, man. Ugh. I like the old chrome ones from the 50s and 60s, the uh, uh, Lincoln Beautywear. Much better. Yeah. Those ones from the 70s sucked. But uh, every, everyone had them. <laughs> I mean, all that, all that faux uh, 1800s stuff that was popular in the 70s and early 80s. Why? What do you? Little House on the Prairie. That's the reason, isn't it? The Waltons. I don't know. That was popular. It was, you know, Return to Americana. Yeah. Uh, probably around the same time the bicentennial. That would make sense, I guess. <laughs> I, you know, I think it was. Oh, get back to, to uh, you know, a simpler time. A simpler time, which. I'm going to interject there since this came up. Uh, rewatching all these Star Treks, we've noticed that although there are spaceships, there's obviously the Enterprise and other starships, everybody lives a very 19th century kind of low-key existence. We figured that indeed there still is money in the 23rd century, and they pump all the money into the Federation and everybody else is a starving peasant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gene Roddenberry's dirty secret. Yeah, everybody's like an indentured servant. Everybody's equal, but everybody's equally poor. Oh. It's like Cuba. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, totally. But they probably have great dental. You can't have more if nobody has anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this movie finally reaches a uh, point where you can say, oh, I think this is almost over. I think this is 90 minutes. Yeah, this seems, this seems to be about just under 90. It's 86 minutes, I looked. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we get, we get a bunch of stabbing and uh, uh, brother and sister using their psychic abilities. And, uh, and then uh, they defeat Sarah and leave the house. Now, was was this girlfriend new enough to where they didn't have a clue that she was evil? Uh, she was, they've been going out for five months. Oh, that's, yeah. there's plenty of secrets at five months still. Oh, yeah. Mom <laughs> says pretty much, you know, don't trust her. You've only known her five months. Okay. She could be an evil samurai <laughs> from another dimension, yeah. uh, possibly another time or space. And uh, kill people in the neighborhood. It's yeah. that age-old story. This is pretty much why I picked it, because the description was something like, uh, college girl goes home to Wisconsin, and uh, the neighbors are being killed by a samurai? Something like that. It was like, okay, I don't know how Wisconsin and the spirit of samurai, that was it. Uh, how those go together, but I'm sure, I'm sure this story will, will be, you know, airtight. They will really hammer out those details of what's going on with the samurai in Wisconsin. 
you would think Wisconsin, you're pretty well insulated from all things samurai. But but apparently yeah. apparently you'd be wrong if that's what you thought. But you could see if it was a Viking. <laughs> yeah, you know, a Viking would make sense. You got Minnesota, Wisconsin, plenty of people there from those Norse. There were people. Norse people there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it totally but would make sense. We but, have a samurai outfit. That is the the theme, as I mentioned. Yeah. All three movies I watched, they had something. And they had to make a movie. Yeah. Well, I, this is my second time watching this. Uh, I'm sorry. And no, I'm glad you picked it. You made me watch it again. Because like, the first time I saw it was, uh, must have been on video, uh, really poor visuals. Uh, couldn't really understand what they were saying a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, it was pretty murky. Uh, uh, I was I was really bored by it. And uh, I, I remembered very little of it. But oh, okay, watching, it, watching it now, this is the edition that was restored by uh, Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. Looks great, and and uh, the uh, I think the photography is good. The uh, like especially the the forest scenes, uh, really nice photography. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm not saying it's a good movie, but I think it's like a, a bad movie done right. Uh, uh, that's yeah. That's kind of where I was coming from. Yeah, when a bad movie's done right, it's uh, they're sincere about it. It's like Edward; uh, he's not got the talent, uh, but he's got the sincerity. He, yeah. Um, so uh, I think the cast were like trying to trying to act. Uh, you know, the photography is good. Um, and you got a director who's like not really sure what he's doing or saying, <laughs> uh, so the story is just like nonsensical. So it's, it's kind of entertaining in that way. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like a it's a Christmas horror movie, and you you barely know it's Christmas. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it's like it's a sincere mess. So I, I kind of liked it. I I uh, I liked the uh, I liked the mother's paintings. Um, oh, I really, I think that's what grabbed me. I probably would have turned this off if I wasn't grabbed by the mother's paintings. They were really good. And yeah. for a low-budget movie like this, I don't know who the artist was, but... Well, apparently it was her, is uh, Helen Benton. Oh, really? Well, yeah, she's quite the artist. Yeah, I, I tried to find them because like, they're really, you know, the, the sense of texture and color yeah. is it, yeah. really good. Um, I tried to find her stuff, but... Um, I couldn't. Um, there's another Midwest artist uh, named Thomas Hartbenton. He's, he'll come up yeah. a lot. He, he does those really uh, warped views of uh, like mid, Midwest life. life. Um, yeah. they're, they're really, really amazing uh, oh, pictures. And then there's another painter called Helen Benton who's also a dress designer. She's more recent. Um, but she's she co-authored this book about Japanese costume, funny oh. enough. Hmm. Uh, and there's and then there's another Helen Benton artist who's uh, an art therapist, but she's British. So I, I couldn't wow. actually find uh, more of this Helen Benton's art. But yeah, I really liked it and seeing it in this uh, this uh, cleaned up edition. Yeah, uh, I was really impressed by those. Yeah, and I agree with you. Uh, I you know I think this is kind of why I picked this movie. I mean, they were it was not a good movie, but it did have a certain amount of heart. It had have a, a certain amount of uh, sincerity when it came to making this movie. They tried. 
uh, that you know they didn't have any money or time, um, <laughs> and people who, who were trying to do their best, but, you know, uh, m- much better than the than the other two in that regard. Uh, Tanny and the T-Rex was just yeah. a total mess. Just didn't know what it wanted to be. Was it a horror movie? Was it a comedy? Was it a teen flick? What was it? It didn't know. Um, and then the other one was just, I don't know, kind of, kind of the same thing. Um, a movie they tried, but it just, it, it didn't get off the ground. And those are interesting sometimes. Yeah. I enjoy watching those sometimes when they, they, oh, these people really trying to make a movie, you know? Yeah, they didn't have a good idea, but who cares? They were making a movie and they put it, they're all into it and yeah it keeps your attention much better than the than like the uh than the than the birdemic guy or oh, people, right. you know. yeah when they're knowingly trying to make a bad movie it's just awful yeah yeah but but this oh, one wow. is like it's just so uh off the wall you don't know what you're going to be seeing or hearing next yeah so yeah i mean i don't know any other movies that are uh, samurai spirit Wisconsiners uh, and a psychic painter. Uh, yeah, I think the closest I can think to it is uh, uh, Ninja Three: The Domination, <laughs> where this this uh, woman who's a she's an aerobics enthusiast, I think, but she gets possessed by a samurai. Oh, that's Ooh, cool! I, I'd watch the hell out of that. Yeah, uh, it's one of those Shokasugi movies. Mm, from right. the 80s you know yeah now guys can can you say um we'll start we'll start with you jolian can you can you say that uh with the restoration uh not the crappy previous transfer but the vinegar syndrome uh, uh 4k restoration can you recommend this one to a horror fan yeah uh any any uh any warnings any caveats to go with that yeah like i said it's not a good movie but it's uh you know it's it's an interesting bad movie yeah it keeps your attention that's that's very true uh so uh non-horror fans i don't know are they going to be able to <laughs> hang with this yeah i don't know i don't i i'm not friends with those people yeah I, I'm yeah I, I can't speak for them that's probably true how about you will how do you feel about that i think yeah if you've if you're a fan of like low budget horror, definitely watch the this transfer. It looks great. Yeah, and it's interesting all the way through. Um, I believe Vinegar Syndrome did the the transfer of Scream Bloody Murder as well. Oh, uh, they are proving a point. Possibly Tanny and the T Rex. I'm I'm not sure, but they've been doing good work. They are they are proving a point when people say you can't polish a turd. They're like, oh yeah, hold hold my beer. <laughs> Look at this shiny object. Yeah. yeah. Look at it gleam in the sun. So yeah. <laughs> they I mean, that's kind of what they specialize in. And uh, I've talked to a couple of the guys at horror cons. Uh, they all work at the warehouse or the store or whatever. And uh, it's interesting. They're like, oh, you won't believe this one. And they'll have stuff on their table, and it's like. And I'm not going to pay you twenty four dollars to find out, right? Right. But oh, but yeah. But bless them for doing what they do because this is saving stuff from uh, from uh, extinction or or 
obscurity with a really bad transfer being the only evidence it, it existed when it actually might look good. It may not be yeah. be good in other ways, but it'll at least show you that you know what's at the heart of the matter is not as bad as what maybe you would see otherwise. But so we need to get their hands on hacks. Definitely. Yeah, they really or grassland. I, I prefer the title grassland. I think yes, <laughs> it leaves more to the imagination. Yeah. With the tagline, it's got Grizzly Adams in it. Oh. <laughs> and Peter Fonda. Wait, no, not Peter Fonda. The other guy. No, not Peter Sutherland. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, no, it's uh, uh, Keith, Keith Carradine. Keith Carradine, yeah. Yeah. Who's not David, nor is he Peter Fonda, yet he is somehow both. Yet <laughs> he is neither. He is both, but he is neither. Um, so that's that's great. I think we all can recommend that Horror fans, give it a look. Uh, this is a little reminder of the things that happened in the 80s. And, uh, you know, not everything was your your um, Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th or um, some of the other things that came out of nowhere that were like, what's this thing? And then it has, you know, some legacy after that. This is a one and done. <laughs> one and done, yeah. Yeah, so there it is. Um. I remembered the other thing I watched. There, oh, good. There's a bunch of stuff on Amazon uh, or Prime Video. I guess we're calling it Prime Video. But uh, there's a bunch of... It's conspicuous. It's completely conspicuous. There are a bunch of these like 48 or 49 minute long um, documentaries about either a specific album or a band. It'll be like Led Zeppelin, the early years. Well, I watched one of them on Iron Maiden and it was really cool. So that's all I'm going to say is the Iron Maiden one. It's about, it's, they're all about 10 minutes less than an hour ish somewhere in there. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I was like, I was kind of missing Iron Maiden and wanted to say hi to them. So I watched that documentary. It was cool. And, uh, hi, Iron Maiden. yeah. Hey guys, <laughs> it's been a while. I really just kind of want to put a, it was, a, it was specifically about number of the beast. These, these things are really cool because I watched one about um, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. And it's great when they sit in the studio with the engineer and he's like, okay, here's the part where we bring in the, uh, the, the vocals, the chorus. And then the, this swells up and then he like, puts all the pieces, layers them on top, and then you can hear how they, they all come together. That stuff's really cool. But uh, don't ever listen to David Lee Roth minus the rest of Van Halen. It's, it's not good. <laughs> like all his vocal acrobatics. But anyway, uh, I saved that little digression for the end of the show. So uh, the listeners could just shut it off anytime if they wanted. So uh, <laughs> whose turn is it to pick the next one? Is it you? Uh, I think it's your turn. All right. Now and you had mentioned uh, 70s lesbian vampire movies. You know, the, all uh, right. and, and I'm glad you mentioned this. Uh, Jolien, um, Hopefully the listeners didn't all shut it off after I started talking about Iron Maiden. Uh, what was happening in England in 1972 or in 71 t- to be released in 72? Every movie was lesbian vampires. Like <laughs> literally, if it was from England, it was lesbian vampires. 1972. Oh, 
Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of good ones and on, from Europe as well. You had uh, yeah. like uh, Daughters of Darkness and the, the Just Franco movies. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of like Spanish yeah. and Italian stuff. The, uh, yeah, um, Spaniards were making movies in Britain about lesbian vampires. And, yeah, so what was what was going on on that side of the pond? Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, over here we had like a lot of gangster movies and possessed girl movies being made, but over there it was like, hey, you know what would be really cool? <laughs> Well, we should probably talk about it when we do the movie, but uh, I find lesbian vampire movies, you have the the, the poster, the exploitation side of it. You yes. have like uh, women in night dresses or not much else. Uh, and uh, and uh, the lesbians and their, their, their lipstick lesbians and their vampires. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got... Three things there that are going to put bums on seats. Yep. Ah, yeah. But then, like, you get past the exploit. Well, you've got this exploitation come on, but uh, you you watch the movies and, and a lot of them they're like uh, you've got the spectacle of women having power, and uh, they have a community amongst themselves, and that the women are the, the men are often like. Uh, pretty horrible, you know, uh, uptight, uh, you know, vampire hunters and so on. Yeah. Or they're just idiots or uh, they're repressed in some way. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it kind of goes to the, the uh, gets more into a feminist uh, direction. Um, you know, I, I can't, I can't claim them that they're feminist movies, but uh, you've you got like these uh, strong female characters, uh, leading the way in these stories. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm quite surprised that uh, I like most of these movies. There's, uh, there's very few of them that are, like, uh, boring or uh, uh, stupid. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I quite I quite like most of them. Um, and there's, there's tons of them. There's, like, Jean Roland made nothing but lesbian Vermont <laughs> movies for quite a stretch. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I like them. What, what do you think would be the most exciting one for us to review on the show? Uh, well, the artiest one is probably Daughters of Darkness. Okay. Uh, what, uh, my favorite Hammer one is Vampire Lovers. Right, that I recently watched. Uh, best Franco one is probably uh, Vampiros Lesbos. Yep. Uh Probably the best uh, Spanish one is Vampires with Y R E S. Okay. Uh, which is uh, Jose Laraz. Um, yeah, there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole bunch of good ones. Okay, so Daughters of Darkness would be uh, one of your top picks. Yeah, that's the arty one. That's the, like the uh, the most arch uh, sort of uh, mannered one. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one. So should we do that one or Vampire Lovers? Or Twins of Evil? I mean, there's so many. Oh, Twins of Evil. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a, that one's, yeah, that one's that's, a little more exploitive. Yeah, I'm not that keen on that one. I really like Peter Cushing in that one. Yeah, he's he's good. Um, but yeah, that, that one's too timid. Okay. Um, yeah, help us out here because... Uh, I, I want to say Daughters of Darkness, but 
Vampire Lovers is yeah, a good one too. I recommend Daughters of Darkness, and uh, if you if you're not into that one, then pick another one. Okay, let's do Daughters of Darkness, and as a backup for our listeners, uh, uh, Vampire Lovers. Just watch them both. Why not? We'll talk about okay. them. We'll talk about them both. Maybe we'll compare them a little bit. But uh, there we go. We'll we'll do some 1972, the year of the lesbian vampire. <laughs> right. And every year since. <laughs> All right. Yeah. After after that, not so good. Yeah, yeah, it definitely goes downhill pretty quickly after that. But All right, well, let's uh, call it a show then, huh? All right. Cool. It's a show. All right, listeners, thank you for listening. Insert clever thing here. Yeah. <laughs>